I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Dating in the Bay. I have a Washington Post reporter, Lisa, here today. She's a dating and relationships reporter. So we're going to talk about all the things. I'm super excited to have her on. Also, I wanted to just encourage everybody that the more support that we can get, the better. Like we just went through all this collective trauma from the past pandemic. So I just started seeing a therapist and I highly recommend it. I think the more support we can get, the better. I also talk to a shaman semi-regularly. He's awesome. And I've gotten about like 10 of my friends to go to him and we're all on team Nabil Redwood. So if you go to him, you could tell him I say hello and that I keep on sending more and more of my friends because I want to help support him. He's amazing and it kind of provides life coaching and empowerment and direction and just like a little pep in your step. So what could be better than that? I don't know. So with that, let's get to Lisa's conversation. Lisa, welcome to Dating in the Bay. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm thrilled to have you. So I know you're actually in San Francisco. How's that been? It's really hot today. It's funny that you say it's really hot because what is it, like 75 degrees? Yeah, it's so hot. I'm like in a tank top, which never happens. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a break from Washington heat because, you know, in DC, it's about 90 plus when you account for the humidity almost the entire summer. So it's lovely today. I'm having a great time. I know. It's so nice. So I lived in DC for four years. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I love reading your articles because you combine the politics with dating and then DC. So it's like hits every note. One of my favorites was the Pete Buttigieg article you did about loving airports. Right. right. (laughs) You know, one funny thing that if you lived in DC, you might enjoy this. The beginning of the campaign. I got to go to Des Moines, Iowa before the Iowa caucuses. And this is January, 2020, pre-pandemic, the last story I got to travel for, which seems (laughs) so long ago. Anyway, I went to this campaign bar where it's called Carl's Place and it's where all the campaign staffers hang out. And many a campaign couple has come out of hanging out at this bar. And there's all this graffiti all over the walls that some of it is, you know, about couples and things like that. But a lot of it is just politics. And on the wall of this bar just says, Pete, Wine Caves 2020. Like, there's just like all these really dorky campaign references, which just like, obviously, in DC, stuff like that might be normal. But to see it somewhere else was funny. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. So yeah, I feel like you have the best job ever. How in the world did you get this perfect job? And do you pinch yourself every day? I pinch myself when I get to watch romantic comedies for work, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Also, do you get to expense your TV bill? I really hope you do. No, I wish that I could. I don't get to expense my TV bill. But I get to go to like a lot of movie screenings. And occasionally, if I write about hot date spots in DC, you know, Jeff Bezos picks up the bill, but that is like once in a blue moon. I mean, I got to go to a romantic comedy festival in Los Angeles a couple years ago, pre-pandemic as well. So like, that was fun. I got the job kind of a combination of persistence and dumb luck. Yeah. (laughs) I had a dating column at UCLA in the early 2000s when I was 
watching a lot of Sex in the City and having bad summer flings and working at the student newspaper. And I had a friend suggest to me that I write about this summer fling that I was having. And I did. And it became a dating column that I did kind of on the side there. And then when I came to DC as an intern at the Washington Post, I was an editor on the business desk and for for years edited business news. I was an opinion editor for several years. And after like 10 years at the Post where I'd done many different things, I kind of couldn't leave the relationship writing behind and felt like it was time to pitch a dating column. So I used to edit a lot of freelancers who would also write about dating and relationships. And then eventually a couple of years ago became me just writing. But it's super fun. I guess my natural curiosity part of it. And then also I'm perpetually single. So I guess that helps. Okay. So I was just going to ask you like a zillion questions from that. So first, before I forget, what's been the most personal question you got to ask somebody? You know, it's funny because the most personal interviews are not the people that are on reality TV, right? Like I'm working on a story about somebody right now in North Carolina who's transitioning from male to at the time, right now is non-binary and might end up fully transitioning to female. But, you know, they're navigating all of this during the pandemic. Plus, they're married to a woman who they're going to separate for a little while and like kind of renegotiate and like reassess their relationship once Kyle has figured out, kind of has completed this like gender exploration. So, I mean, that is incredibly fascinating. And from stories like that to, I mean, I just wrote a story about hot back summer that we're supposed to be in the middle of, right? And, you know, I, I, first of all, it's really rare that men respond to my call outs. I get a lot of women and this guy wanted to tell me about this night that he'd had out at a bar with his friends where they, you know, picked up a bunch of women and brought them back to his place and played Uno and had more drinks. And so I had to be like, okay, so what does playing Uno mean? He's like, no, no, really, we played Uno. And I'm like, okay, but did anyone hook up? And, you know, it's like actually my job to ask these questions. And then later I had to follow up and wanted to find out more about the hangover that he had. And so I think I tweeted something about like, you know, the kinds of questions I get to ask or the follow-up texts I get to send are like, can you tell me anything else about your hangover beyond how long it lasted? Did you throw <laughs> up? Did you have a headache? You know, like, I just like, I mean, I'm a features reporter. We need yeah. so much detail, whether you're writing about a dating story or something else that often I'm spending multiple hours on the phone with somebody and lots of follow-ups. So yeah, I want to know what you had for breakfast this morning and what you'd really like to have for breakfast tomorrow and your relationship with your mother and your pet's name and all of the things because you never know what's going to be important or what's going to make it into a piece. So you really just get to sit down with somebody and ask them everything. And the beauty of my job is that No one has to answer. It can always say, I'm uncomfortable with that question or I'm not going to answer that. But it's actually kind of remarkable how often people will answer things. And I, I find lots of times that if I ask a question just in a very matter of fact manner, like, tell me, how many people did you sleep with last year? Like, sometimes the answer, if you ask it in a way that's like, this is no big deal, right? I'm surprised. And also during the pandemic, how many people just like wanted to talk? Mm-hmm. You know, I did some of my most interesting reporting, but also just like the conversations were wonderful. I mean, first of all, I was living alone in a one bedroom apartment. And lots of other people that I was talking to were also living alone. And people just wanted to talk to someone. 
And they were, you know, fully recognizing they were talking to a reporter. But it was, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'd be alone all day, but I'd be talking to all these people about their personal lives. And it it made me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another reason why I do what I do is like the product ends up making readers feel less alone. And I think it does that for me as well. I love that. Because yeah, that's why I started the podcast during the pandemic is I also alone, single in my one bedroom apartment. So it made me feel less alone to be able to talk to people and talk about issues and create something to share with the world, but also to like on a one-on-one level connect with somebody else. So I definitely feel that. And I did love the, in the Hot Facts Summer article being like, oh, that's what they call it these days. Uno. <laughs> no, I, the, and the beauty of that is I think they actually did play Uno. <laughs> so what's your relationship status? And also what brought you to San Francisco? I have always wanted to live here. I'm from Sonoma County. Grew up in a small town. Maybe not so small, but suburbia. What's the town called? Santa Rosa. Oh, yeah. It's actually like the largest city between San Francisco and Oregon, but still feels small when you're growing up there. So I grew up in Santa Rosa, spent a year in Israel in between high school and college. And then I studied at UCLA and straight out of UCLA, I got an internship at the Washington Post. And I moved to Washington for what I thought was three months, turned into 16 years. Wow. And all of a sudden during the pandemic, I looked up and I was like, well, I don't have to be in the office in aggregate. I don't have to be in the office for about a year and a half. This is my chance to live somewhere else. So I gave up my one bedroom apartment and I found a roommate in San Francisco. And yeah, I'm here. And it's like really great to be able to see my brother occasionally my parents, my college friends are all nearby. I'm making new friends. I have other friends from DC that have moved here. So actually my life here is not that different <laughs> from DC in a lot of ways, but it's been really fun. Awesome. Yeah. How do you like it? And then have you dated at all? I have been dating a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've only been here for six weeks. So oh, it's all got here. Okay. Right. So it's just been a lot of like first, second. What apps are you on? I am using Hinge, JSwipe, League, Tinder, and Locks Club. But Locks oh. Club has netted me no in-person meetings. Okay. I, I'm going to go on the record right now. I hate the Locks Club. <laughs> it is a fraud. They don't have anybody on there. Yeah. There aren't a lot of San Francisco folks. There seems to be a lot of people in LA, New York, and the other places. I mean, I matched with one guy in San Francisco. We chatted a little bit, but it didn't go anywhere. I actually met someone on JSwipe where we dated for... We went out like five times. And then it was in my in my process of like moving here. And then once I got here, he got into a relationship with somebody else. Uh, <laughs> totally how it always goes. I live in DC. And my friend was moving out to DC to, to be with this guy. And the, literally the day that she flew out to move, he broke up with her. And I was just like, yeah. But then I introduced her to her now husband. So it all worked out fine. Yeah. I mean, this, our last date where we, you know, drove to Point Reyes and like had this gorgeous day. He was driving my parents' car because he insisted on saying that I was not a great driver and it was very offensive. Wow. Anyway, so maybe it would have ended long before, but he's driving my parents' car and he asks me, he's like, I just want to make sure you're not moving here for me, are you? Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. I know. And I said, buddy, like, I know you just met me, but, um, I've been thinking about moving out West for a good decade. Also, you're from here. 
Right. I was like, it has very, I'm moving here for me. Wow. The audacity is, I mean, I think he honestly removed himself from that right then and there. Also, we've been on five dates and I made the decisions to move there, like, you know, throughout that time. So, you know, five dates over, I don't know, six weeks or two months. So, you know, a move takes a bit of time. And again, I don't know if this is a permanent move, but it's just for the time being at the very least. And our first date, he was like convincing me to move here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't need that much convincing. You can convince me, but I I already am kind of moving in this direction. So anyway, but I, I just thought it was, I don't know, maybe you can tell me, is that indicative of a San Francisco man to assume after like four or five dates that if someone is moving, they're doing it for them? I mean, I don't think it's a San Francisco thing. I think it's more just like, oh, you're so self-absorbed that you think everything that I do is about you. Yeah, that relationship too was is pretty slow moving, right? Like it was COVID. I was staying with my parents at that time. I wasn't vaccinated yet. So we were not spending a ton of time together, maybe going somewhere, but definitely not into moving across the country for this person category. Yeah, that's too much. What would you say are kind of the biggest differences you've seen from DC dating and SF dating? So my sample size is very small because I've, you know, only been out with three guys here, something like that. Or maybe maybe even like from the apps seeing. Well, I, I mean, I will say even just from those three dates, right? With three or four dates. I've been telling people that the men seem more optimistic here. And maybe that's just a California thing. I don't know. But if I present sort of like a problem or a challenge or something that I'm thinking about as a problem or challenge, they are just like, oh, well, you should do this or you should do that. Or like, that's not a barrier. And and so sometimes I'm like, is this just tech culture of everyone thinking that there are no rules and you can do whatever you want, right? And there's no such thing as like anything being bad or hard or difficult. Because in DC, I think like, things are a little bit more like rule bound. Yeah. And... I don't know what it is, but I definitely noticed that. And I don't work in tech as much as like, I mean, I write about culture writ large, but I don't work in technology. And so I went on one date where we hiked to the top of Mount Sutro. And this is with a Google software engineer. And he spent the whole time like explaining esoteric software stuff to me. And to be fair, I was asking lots of questions because I wanted to make sure I understood like from point A to point B, everything that he was telling me. But I mean, it was about an hour and a half of software talk. Yeah, I don't know how romantic that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I learned a lot. And he very much said, you know, tell me if I'm boring you. And yeah, but that was interesting. First, Yeah, did you guys at least have mimosas that you were walking with? No, I mean, it was the middle of the day. We had sandwiches afterwards. And it was my first ride in a Tesla. Oh. So I guess that's pretty accurate i don't know but it's the dates it's just been fun to be dating somewhere else yeah right where like i don't know all of the bars and restaurants already i don't have bad memories attached to them oh yeah or good memories that i can ruin with someone new (laughs) the weather is different so i don't know what to wear and i'm constantly bringing multiple layers yeah which is fine but i don't feel i'm like i don't have all the date outfits like i used to have i'm just like i don't know what i'm wearing and what's happening and oh i need a beanie at all times (laughs) well you're in luck because after this post pandemic no one knows what to wear anymore it's true i'm always in I don't even know what I'm wearing right now. So it's just chaos. <laughs> I'm like half of, my, I'm half of my pajamas and then half in right. gym clothes. I don't really know. So. so yeah, it's just, I think it's just like fun to be somewhere else. I'm not coming across 
colleagues on the apps or friends of friends or like all of that. It's, I mean, I was on one date with someone or it was unclear whether it was a date or a friend hang. And he ran into someone where then they have a mutual friend and he asked about the mutual friend. And I think maybe had dated that friend. I don't know. And it was just really nice to observe this and be like, ah, I don't have to run into anyone that I've dated in San Francisco. I mean, maybe I will, but... Eventually, but down the road. Right. So that's nice. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you think your job impacts your dating? How do they inform each other? That's a good question. You know, it starts even when I'm on these apps matching with people. And a lot of guys will say, oh my gosh, your job sounds so cool. Like, I want to hear about it. And I'm happy to talk about it. I get another reaction that's like, oh this is off the record, right? Like, just like very kind of like, oh my gosh, you must be writing about me immediately or please, you know, telling me it's off the record. (laughs) If I date you, if we get married, do you have to quit your job? I get that question a lot. All this stuff. Yeah. Which I guess some of that is intending to be funny, but after years of it, I tend to gravitate toward like, if they're curious or seem positive about what I do, then I'm happy to engage. If they seem defensive or negative or make like a joke that's borderline offensive, uh-huh. I'm just going to unmatch or drop the conversation right there because it kind of tells me yeah. everything I need to know. So it's been like an interesting screening. And then I think sometimes it makes me think too much about dating. Like my job, I sometimes I'm just like, oh gosh, I it makes it hard to date because I'm talking and thinking about these things all the time. And then when I want to have a life, it's hard to turn that stuff off. But also, I think finally now in this job, I've been doing it for like five years. I think sometimes it makes me take a step back from a lot of these things and be like, well, let's just try this. Like, it takes the pressure off a little bit because I know, first of all, like from talking to so many dating experts, like you can't really do the right thing or say the right thing or like really mess something up if it's with the right person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You can't say the wrong thing to the right person. I think, yeah. And you can't mess anything up. Right. Like you just, I mean, I think like after years and years of this, I'm trying my hardest to just like be and see what happens and not jump to conclusions all the time about stuff. That's kind of been helpful. Also, I just sometimes because of my job and of my colleagues in the newsroom where we're often talking about like new bars and restaurants and stuff, like I find out about cool places to go. We're getting invited to fun things that I get to take dates to. Like that's just like a more fun, immediate part of it that I enjoy. I wonder if you're going to get any like new SF places. You can let me tag along with you. Oh, well, you should let me know. Where's like your favorite first day spot in San Francisco? I like dive bars because I feel like they're pretty low pressure and they always have snacks. They have like tater tots, which I love. (laughs) That's like a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The 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 (laughs) Yeah, I like, well, it depends on like, do you like going to wine bars? for What's your vibe that you go for? You know, obviously the pandemic, I went on a ton of walking dates and I really enjoy those actually. I think it's like a good way to get to know people and it takes the pressure off a conversation because there's stuff to look at. There's less pressure to fill every silence and you're just, you're exploring somewhere new sometimes. Even if it's a neighborhood that you've been to a million times, you can still like see a new house or something that's in the window and point that out or I don't know, there's something going on, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a wine bar in Coal Valley that I went to on a first date that I was like, I'm not sure about this guy, but I'm definitely coming back to the wine bar. Oh, what's the wine bar? You know, Vino. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, one thing that you don't know until you sit down in a place is they have this outdoor seating that's nice, but the N 
light rail goes right by. And so it interrupts the conversation a lot. And I, you don't think about that until you're sitting there. Yeah. My new favorite restaurant, I went on a bad date there, but then I was like obsessed. It's a vegan Italian restaurant called Baia in Hayes Valley. And now I go there so much that the waiter remembers me every single time. And then I brought a friend and then I had left. And so she was outside and he like ran out. He was like, what's your friend's name? She's always here. And then she went without me. And then he was like, but where's your friend? Because I'm always, I literally live there. <laughs> what's it called? Baia? Baia, B-A-I-A. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm gluten-free. So sometimes vegan, sometimes there's good overlap. Yeah. They have a lot of gluten-free. Awesome. And they have lots of good wine. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. What's the worst reality show that you feel like you have to cover that you don't like actually watching? I have a love-hate relationship with The Bachelor. Yeah. I mean, I really... It's fun to cover. It's kind of terrible. I was just talking to somebody who works at Tinder about this story. Right. We were both kind of talking about how we can't stand it, but also can't stop watching. And, and she and I were talking about how, you know, even it becomes like cultural shorthand and just something that you can talk about. You go to a party and somebody, you start talking about The Bachelor and like you have something you can talk about. You know, it, it is useful in a lot of ways, but kind of can't stand it. I think that's probably okay to say publicly. Did you see Cruel Summer on Hulu? I did not. Is that slightly scary? Because they don't do anything scary. It's not. It's. I mean, it's like teen angst, like a little pop of thriller, but it's not scary. I mean, teen angst sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's a different kind of fear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then as we wrap up, what would you say is the best dating advice that you've ever received? The thing that comes immediately to mind is maybe not the most useful, but I actually think that it is useful. It's very specific, but a dating coach in DC always told me to give someone two options when you're asking them out on a date, whether that's Wednesday or Thursday, Tuesday or Friday, and only give two options because it shows that you're flexible, but you're not like so available. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so whether that's date and time or the place that you want to go, you know, either person who's doing the asking can banter back and forth with like, how about this place or this place? You know, and I get that that's not necessarily huge advice when you're looking for love is always give two options. But I think we're scheduling more dates than we are like falling in love. Right. And so even just figuring out, okay, what am I, what am I offering? It's nice to have some parameters. Yeah. And just having choice. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you're really digging this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with a couple friends. And if you provide a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, it would really help me and help my podcast grow. It's my little baby plant that I'm hoping to blossom and grow. I'm just taking a gardening class. So that's where the analogy stems from. No pun intended. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.